The question was, there will, will there be work in the new heavens and the new earth? And there will be. I mean, really, do you want to sit around on a cloud as some disembodied spirit singing Kumbaya with a harp? I mean, does that appeal to anybody on any deep level? I mean, can you imagine like an eternal timeout? Do you really want that? When I used to think that's what heaven was, and, I, and I'm paid to be holy, like I'm a preacher. When I, when I used to think that in my heart of hearts, I just never wanted to die because I didn't want any of that. Now, the Christian vision, I mean, I think take work on your very best day when it was so deeply satisfying and you've just had an hors d'oeuvre of what it will be like. When it will be profoundly satisfying. And it won't take over your lives in all the tyrannical ways. It'll be in its place. No, so he said, isn't work a curse in the Bible? No, work was cursed. Work existed prior to sin in the biblical view. And when sin occurred, work was problematized. But even before Adam and Eve sinned, there was lots of work going on. God was working. God put Adam and Eve in the garden and told them to work. These are two great questions. Work existed before sin and it will exist after sin. I mean, that's at the heart of the Christian view is that to be human is to be a worker. And so the answer to bad work is not no work. It's good work. It's redeemed work. It's transformed work. What do I think are the worst fallacies of work in our moment that lead to dehumanizing us? Well, let me ask you guys. What do you think are some of the real problems with the way work is approached in our culture that ultimately leads to pain and regret? Your work is measured by salary. So how our... So he said that we live in a culture that is attached worth to size of paycheck. So now we've got this really screwed up thing where certain people make millions and millions a year. And it's hard to even justify what they're doing. And other people who we have no problem justifying their vocation can't pay the bills. That's really dehumanizing people. That's good. So I'm going to talk about this next week. There's two basic approaches to work in, the, in American culture, Freud's approach and the Marxist approach. And um, the, the Freudian approach to work is we work in order to live, and life occurs with all the accoutrements work provides. So work gives me a salary so I can buy a, a ski boat, or I can go on vacations, or I can do whatever. So thank God it's Friday. I did a necessary evil in order to afford life. Real life, fun life. So there's this idea of like the three-hour work week, right? You make enough in three hours that you can really live the rest of the time. Yeah, this is a very problem, problematic view of work. And I'll unpack that more next week. What, somebody else, what do you think are some other unhelpful approaches um, to work in our culture? No, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, think about this view is that God made all humans oh so she said that we have how work can isolate us in really painful ways I mean I think about you Bob Um, one of the problems of the academy is that we're at a place in human knowledge where we really do need 
multidisciplinary interaction to advance the human project. But the academy can isolate a guy so that it's very difficult, right? You're a specialist in this field, somebody else a specialist in that field. This happens in the academy, right? So it's very hard to find a da Vinci today. Somebody who can wade across and draw out of lots of fields and make these profound creative connections. Where are the Renaissance people in the academy today? It's very difficult because of the way the academy fragments us into specialized niches. But think about this. The Christian view is that humans have the same basic needs, but they have different abilities. So we all need the same basic things. But none of us is self-sufficient. None of us can do everything to supply all of our needs. You don't have the time. Right? So God created humans to be social creatures. I require you in order to meet my basic needs. We have to, we have to work together. This is why civilizations develop. So it's interesting how work is actually designed to push us into civilization. But if you're in some institutions... It does the very opposite, and that is working against the grain. One of the things I would add is um, we went through a phase in the early 1900s where work theory reduced the human to the physical. So you, you make a widget, and this is your physical job in that. But it's, see, the Catholic Church has, a, the, the Catholic Church has this profound saying that the, the great need for work today is justice, not prudence. In other words, it's unjust to reduce a human being to a physical action. Because humans are spiritual, emotional, relational. There's so many, they're multidimensional. And if you push a human being into only acting with one dimension, it's going to deeply rob their life of satisfaction. So thank goodness American work philosophy is learning that, the, that you don't diminish effectiveness by giving the line worker more responsibility and more freedom. And not just a line worker, but you do that in lots of areas. So I, I think this is similar to what I was pointing out about management philosophy in the early 20th century that reduced work, redu- what it did was it, it um, bracketed out responsibility and freedom to elite management positions. And, and that's a big problem. He said that we live in a culture that has developed these hierarchies of value of work. And it comes out in our language, right? Um, I'm just a housework wife. I'm just a carpenter, you said. How do we resist our culture's the way we're socialized into this way of evaluating ourselves. You know, I've noticed this comes up a lot with housewives. Frequently, in the Christian world, I'll meet a woman who's gone to college and got a degree, and now she's home with children, and she'll, when, when we're... We've met one another, whatever. So what do you do? She said, she'll indicate what she does, but she'll also at some point in the paragraph indicate that she has a college degree and she used to do X. And it's a way that her very language is betraying that somehow housewifery in and of itself is intrinsically less valuable than a public paid position. 
I think one of the places to start to begin to resist our culture on this is to watch our language. Some way at times we can just we need to talk ourselves into a better truth. Um, one of the ways that I'm advocating, and I'll talk more about this next week, how there's really no hierarchy, is I mean think about the the view I just presented tonight is that work's value, I never said was related to its remuneration, but it's related to how it connects up with the ongoing work of God. Now, not all work is legitimate. The work of the pornographer is an illegitimate work. There are lots of jobs in our society today that do not serve the common good. You know, I I was thinking, I'm going to talk more about this again next week, but think about how people decide what career they're going to get. They look at what they want to do, they look at what they like to do, and then they look at the, where you can make a living. But very rarely do I hear people looking at how can I best serve the common good with my gifts and abilities while paying the bills. See, serving the common good has to become a part of the equation. So I think beginning to think through what is the purpose of work I think this helps us begin to subvert some of these unhelpful hierarchies. So he he quoted a verse of scripture. The work of God is to believe in the one he sent. Something that came from Jesus' mouth. How does that relate to all of this? Well, it, it does relate, but on a level that I'm not, as you said, I'm not really interacting with. One way to think about this from a Christian perspective, is that God calls people to himself first, and second, he calls them to a vocation. Now, what I mean by vocation is much bigger than your job. I think um, we can come back to defining that later. But that the first call of a human is to become, uh, Soren Kierkegaard is a famous Danish philosopher has this great line, and now by the grace of God I will become myself. That the first job of the human is to become someone, to become who God made them to be, to become themselves. So what is, who is kin? There are these moments in life where you felt you're not, what you just did, that was not me. I don't want to be that person, right? So that's what I love about Kierkegaard's statement, right? Now, by the grace of God, I will become myself. It's going to require God's grace, and it's going to take a journey, but I'm going to become that. That the work of God is for me to relate to God in that kind of way, as who I truly am. And and the Christian view is that that occurs through Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about the second level in which we move out into the world, and as I'll say next week, We use our gifts and abilities to labor for the common good. See, I I think one of the great lies of modernity is the divorce of data and wisdom. It's what led to the Holocaust. You know, you've got a large number of highly educated people in a room who voted to enact the Holocaust. Because there you have the divorce of data and wisdom. So we live in a data-filled culture that's lost a lot of wisdom. And the great need of the day is for wisdom. 
And the Christian view is that that is found in Jesus Christ. 